Welcome to Any Given You. This show is about all things college football, and on it you will hear insights, analysis, discussion, predictions, and stories of any given topic from any given time, past, present, or future. We believe that the stats are great, but the stories are greater. And you should listen if you have a passion for the game and what makes it great. We're going to talk about touchdowns and touched lives. Come with us on a journey that extends beyond the field of play. We will talk wins, losses, and coachable moments learned on the football field and taken to the classroom, workforce, home, and even the battlefield. Division one to division none. Five-star recruits to walk-ons, it doesn't matter. If it's college football, it's worth the story. I'm your host, Michael Megan. U.S. Army Ranger and a former college football player, and more importantly, a lifelong fan of all things college football. Whether you are a casual fan, a fanatic, a coach, a player, or just a person who loves great stories, then huddle up and commit at Any Given You. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Any Given You. As always, I'm your host, Michael Megan. Before we get into tonight's show, I would like to remind everyone that if you're enjoying the content, please make sure to subscribe, give us a rating, and leave us that oh-so-important review, if you haven't already, or tell some of your football-addicted friends about the podcast. Now that we're done with that, I am acutely aware that I missed an episode last week, and I'm really sorry about that. In fact, I'm so sorry about it that today we are releasing a double feature. That's right. Call me... Uh, the Quentin Tarantino of college football podcasts. We're putting out two episodes, Grindhouse style, and this is part one. A few episodes back, we released Any Given News Too Early Top 25. The list was created before spring football had even begun, uh, let alone concluded, and before some players had made decisions about their futures, not only transferring within the college scene, but moving on to the NFL as well. Yesterday, ESPN re-released their too early top 25 in accordance with spring practices concluding, and I couldn't help but notice that a few teams, particularly in and around the top 10 spot, had drifted more towards where we said they were going to be. So today, we're comparing and contrasting this new list from our original list on February 23rd. So, before we get started in the top 25 of note, Liberty has been dropped from ESPN's list of top 25. We never had them in there. We had them as a wild card. I do believe that they will be a strong team. Malik Willis returns at quarterback. They return much of their talent, but uh, you're on one, honestly, if you think that this team is making my top 25 without playing its way in. 2020 was a wacko year of circumstances and overreactions, and Liberty took full advantage of that. Don't expect Power Fives to sleep on these guys in 2021. I do not see them having the same sort of success as last season. So ESPN and I agree on that front. So going down ESPN's list here, at number 25, they have the Miami Hurricanes. Now the Hurricanes' best news that was coming out of spring football is that quarterback Deer King, who tore his ACL in the first half of the Cheez-It Bowl last year, is apparently, quote-unquote, by Manny Diaz, smashing every benchmark on his way to recovery. Um, now, that I, I think what's great about this is it also allowed Manny Diaz and staff to develop their quarterback room during spring with Tyler Van Dyke and Ryan Garcia. Um, as you may have been tracking, or maybe not, uh, former Miami quarterback Nikosi Perry has dipped out on his way to FAU to go win six games a year. And Tate Martell, uh, who cares? He's in the transfer portal again. Uh, maybe college football's biggest bust ever. Um, three highly regarded transfers make their way into Miami. Uh, they pick up a, um, a kid from uh, Tennessee. Uh, they pick up Georgia's Tyreek Stevenson and wide receiver uh, from Oklahoma, the, that Rambo kid from Oklahoma has gone to uh, Miami. Um, I think each one of those uh, players had a big impact this spring according to uh, the scouting reports here. Uh, their projected starters for coming into this year are projected returning starters. They're gonna have nine on offense and seven on defense with one on special teams. So Miami uh, should be in 
you know, a decent position this year in the conference and in the national scene. They do have to take on Alabama early in the year, and they do have an extremely tough uh, schedule besides taking on the Crimson Tide. Now, this list has them at 25. We had them at 22. At number 24 on ESPN's list, they have the Arizona State Sun Devils. The Sun Devils played only four games in 2020, but the last two were... Mm, well, okay, some people think that they're impressive. They had a 70-7 to win against uh, Arizona, which is actually the most uh, one-sided competition that those two teams have ever played. And they won 46-33 to at Oregon State. As far as turning, returning production goes, it's pretty solid for them. They have nine on offense, 11 on defense, uh, and two on special teams. And quarterback Jaden Daniels is coming into year three at his starting quarterback position. Now, last year he struggled with his accuracy. He only he completed less than 60% of his balls. He still uh, he's he takes care of the football. However, he only has three. Uh, interceptions in his nearly 20 starts. Uh, now, Oklahoma transfer tight end, uh, who's the number two tight end uh, prospect in the class of 2020, he has transferred over to um, Arizona State, kid with the last name of Conyers. So uh, be on the lookout for him to emerge as a budding star there in Tempe. Good security blanket for Jaden Daniels. Um, However, Arizona State did not make any list of ours, uh, and I know that probably seems like total disrespect to the boys in Tempe, but honestly, I don't care that they beat the brakes off two of the worst teams in the nation last year. They couldn't beat a really bad self-sabotaging USC team, and so I am not sold on the Sun Devil hype. At number 23 on the list, they have Penn State. Now, hoping, I think everybody in in Penn State country is hoping that they build on a four-game winning streak that ended, you know, 2020 after starting off losing five games in probably Penn State's most disappointing season ever. Now, I think the Nittany Lions are counting on a handful of graduate transfers. As far as returning projected starters, they have eight on offense, seven on defense, and two on special teams. Now, I like Penn State here at 23. I do. I don't have any beef with this. They nearly made my my uh, too early list outright in the top 25. Instead, we had them as a wild card. I define a wild card team on my list as a team we expect to enter the top 25 with reasonable certainty. I think with a full spring under their belt, you'll see a product more in line with what we've come to expect from the Nittany Lions. However, they do start over again with offensive play caller Kirk Shiraka gone after just one year. Uh, so we will see what happens with those guys. At number 22, we have Steve Sarkeesian's Texas Longhorns. His first camp concluded without a definitive answer as far as quarterback. Casey Thompson uh, took snaps with the number one offense in spring, and he'll continue to battle Hudson Card throughout the offseason. They have a lot of key additions uh, to this team, however, Austin being a popular transfer destination. They do pick up outside linebacker Ray Thornton, inside linebacker Ben Davis, uh, a host of defensive um, depth here, uh, Derek Harris, J.D. Coffey, uh, and that's all good news because um, their leading tackler in 2020, Juwan Mitchell, announced on Monday that he will transfer to Tennessee, not from Tennessee. It seems to be the trend, but to Tennessee. And um, so, yeah. Now, our list in February had the Longhorns much higher at number 16. On this list, they're at 22. I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not really ready to change my opinion on that. I think that they are a team that, for me, is somewhere in that, you know, somewhere in the teens. Um, but we could split the difference on this one. I, you know, I, I'm neither here nor there on them. At number 21, we have the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Projected returning starters, 10 on offense, 10 on defense, with two on special teams. The team has gotten a huge boost from Silas Kelly, C.J. Brewer, and Teddy Gallagher all returning to the Black Swarm defense. 
Those were all players that we were not sure about in February. In fact, they were projected losses back then, but they've returned for their super senior years. And actually about a dozen seniors and graduates took advantage of the NCAA's extra year of eligibility and returned to um, Conway for another year. Now, these guys obviously have fun at this program, and the Chanticleers were able to keep coach Jamie Chadwell, who had a lot of interest from a lot of Power 5 schools. His contract has been extended through 2027, and we have, we on our list have Coastal Carolina at 25. Now, I understand that there's a lot to be said for continuity, and the Chants will certainly not be a team you want to schedule for your non-conference light work, but... With college football resembling something a little closer to normal, I think you're going to see Power 5s getting back to form. And whether it's right, wrong, or otherwise, a 10-win Michigan or Auburn or Texas is definitely going to bump out an undefeated Coastal Carolina out of their spot. So I think this team is going to drift around towards the back of the top 25, especially with their last game being a loss to Liberty. That's why we have them where uh, we put them. ESPN has them at 21. At number 20, we have LSU. Uh, projected starters, nine on offense, nine on defense, and one on special teams. The Tigers are obviously disgusted, I think, with their lack of LSU-ness in 2020. Five and five is just not gonna cut it in Baton Rouge. Coach O knows that, everybody knows that. So the Tigers are undergoing a massive rebuild currently. Uh, Coach Ed Orgeron has two new coordinators. He has the former Carolina Panthers assistant Jake Peets and former Minnesota Vikings secondary coach Durante Jones. Um, So Peets is obviously on offense. Coach Jones is on defense. Uh, LSU has the talent. Last year was, uh, in my opinion, the exception rather than the norm. Not just my opinion, but, you know, historics show that. Uh, There was so much that they lost after the 2019 season, staff included, that I think they'll bounce back this year. I really do. We have them at 18 on our list back in February. I think they're trending up. I think they will trend up before the season's end. I think they are the biggest threat to Bama and A&M in the West and wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see them in Atlanta, Uh, but they have to show me for sure. Uh, number 19 on this list, ESPN's got Old Miss. Um, now, Coach Lane Kiffin fired offensive line coach Randy Clements a few days after spring practice. I'm not going to speculate about why. Apparently, it was football-related, according to Coach Kiffin. Uh, but their offensive line was pretty damn good last year. So it's a little bit of a head-scratcher to me. I understand that Coach Giffen being eccentric and unorthodox is part of his shtick, but I'm, I think continuity is not something that can be downplayed in these times. 2020 proved that to me. Uh, Old Miss should, again, have one of the most explosive offenses in all of FBS with quarterback Matt Corral returning, but that defense was ass crap last year. I mean, it was terrible, and so I guess the good thing for Ole Miss, if you're an Ole Miss fan, is um, they made that a priority on that side of the ball. Their main focus in this offseason was defense. Now, we've had Ole Miss. We we have them at um, 24 back in February. Uh, I believe them to be a team that's still a few years away from having a viable shot at winning the SEC West. So we are going to go ahead and keep them in the low to mid-20s. I'm not quite sold on them breaking that spot there. Um, I think that you know they're, they're, still gonna ch- they're still going to struggle against teams like Alabama, Texas A&M, LSU, and even Auburn. At number 18, we have Wisconsin. Uh, they have eight projected returning starters on offense. They have eight projected starters returning on defense and two on special teams. Now, after the Badgers ranked 88th in scoring last year, 103rd in total offense in all of college football, uh, Coach Chris decided to take over the play calling uh, duties, and he's also uh, coaching quarterback uh, personally. Now, 
Uh, Joe Rudolph, the former offensive coordinator, he's been moved back into the offensive line spot and the run game coordinator for the Badgers. This season uh, should be better for – it should – it's got to it's gotta be better. I mean, this team was bitten by the COVID-19 bug as hard as any team in the nation, and they had players that didn't even play – for like a month during the 2020 season. It was a dumpster fire of pure calamity. Wisconsin will be back in the hunt for a Big Ten West title and possibly a conference title outright. Who knows? Jim Leonard's defense will be back. And if Paul Chris can get Graham Mertz to Russell Wilson-esque success at the QB position, I understand stylistically they're different, but I'm just saying that kind of efficiency... Uh, look out for this team to make some strides. We had the Badgers at 11 back in February. I will say this before we stop talking about Wisconsin. This is of note. has to be taken into consideration. Wisconsin just landed their highest rated recruiting class of all time. So uh, for years and years, they have made some great teams with less materials than several of their contemporaries. If they sustain this higher level of recruiting... Just imagine the possibilities for the Badgers. On ESPN's list at number 17, we have uh, the team everybody loves to hate, Florida. It's difficult to know what the Gators' rebuilt offense is going to look like this year. I think I know what it's going to look like. I think it's going to look like a lot of running the ball, uh, especially with Emory Jones taking the reins at quarterback. Um, Dan Mullen apparently did not let a lot of press around his spring practices or, you know, and had had a restricted audience for the spring game. Uh, Personally, I think it's because his offense probably looks like ass right now. Um, The Gators figure, I figure they're going to go, like I said, from pass heavy to run heavy. I mean, they have to. There's no way that they they don't. There's no way they don't because of everything that they've lost offensively. Kadarius Toney, Trayvon Grimes, uh, Kyle Pitts, you know, Kyle Tratt. I mean, they are not a pass attack anymore like they were last year. They're going to have to adapt to put points on the board this season. Florida's running back room is uh, is stocked right now. I will say they have Damian Pierce, Malik Davis, Nyquan Wright. They also have Demarcus Bowman, the transfer uh, from uh, Clemson sitting in there as well. And speaking of transfers, Florida has been an extremely popular uh, transfer spot for a lot of players. They've picked up uh, defensive lineman Daquan Newkirk, uh, defensive lineman Antonio Shelton, um, actually a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball to try to shore that up. And if you're a Gators fan, you should be excited about the trajectory of the defense this year for sure because uh, last year it was terrible. So on that side of the ball, they should sure that up quite a bit. We had the Gators at 13. I'm sticking by that, especially with how well Florida has you know, played the portal since February and picking up these additions. I think that they are a uh, in the neighborhood of a top 10 team and could, could sneak in there if you know a, a couple of teams end up falling out. Um, so I think they're kind of they're orbiting that, that 10 spot. At number 16 on their list, they've got Louisiana. Now, Louisiana has 10 offensive players returning, uh, 10 defensive players, two on special teams. So basically everybody. The Raging Cajuns had a, you know, sort of a breakthrough season in 2020. Um, they won 10 games for a second straight season. They um, they won a share of the Sunbelt Conference, I guess. I'm not sure exactly how that worked out, but whatever uh, and they they've won uh, you know their uh, back-to-back bowl games um, now here's sort of the bad news with this success when you have a lot of success at a group of five program the problem is is you're probably gonna lose a lot of your staff and that's exactly what happened here now Billy Napier head man has stayed around but he's he's in the He's in the middle of retooling his staff right now. Um, and so what this kind of reminds me of is this, this coaching staff overturn and nightmare sounds like another team in Louisiana. Who are they? Oh, yeah, LSU, right? Um, with the kind of turnover that they had coming out of 2019. Now, luckily for Louisiana, they 
unlike LSU, they don't have to like also rebuild their whole roster. But the coaching stuff is, you know, it, it's it's concerning. It still matters. Um, and with this much coaching turnover, it could prove to be problematic for them potentially, right? Um, but for much of the same reason that I have Coastal Carolina ranked so far back, you know, towards that 25 spot, I had Louisiana ranked in my dark horse category. So not even, not even in the wild card category, but in the dark horse category. I think they are a solid football team. I think they're good. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens with them. You know, I, I would not be surprised to see a scenario of this team just come out and be flat this year and, and lose two, three games uh, that they should have won, you know, simply because of just that amount of turnover and maybe even a little bit of, you know, them getting lackadaisical, uh, maybe feeling, reading their pl- press clippings and thinking they're better than they actually are. So, who, I mean, who knows, you know. At number 15, we have the Washington Huskies. And now, as far as projected returning starters, they have 10 on offense. they got seven on defense and one on special teams. Unfortunately for the Huskies, the injury bug has already bitten the Washington defense that had uh, several holes to fill in the first place. Uh, Their star edge player, Zion Tupuoloa Fatui, I got better at saying his name since the last time I had to say it, ruptured his Achilles tendon, unfortunately, and he will be sidelined for the next six to ten months. He had a very productive year last year with seven sacks, three forced fumbles in only four games. Outside linebacker Latu Latu. Lee, man, I'll tell you what, man, these these names, some of these names. Lee, uh, Liatu Latu, fuck it, that, that's that's all. That, that's as good as it's gonna get. Was also forced to medically retire from football because of a neck injury. I'm sorry, guys. Defensive back Brendan Radley Hiles from Oklahoma and defensive end Jeremiah Martin from Texas A&M. Both of these players. Uh, will transfer in for the Huskies, but they're largely question marks because they were low-production guys at their former schools. I think the biggest pickup as far as transfer portal stuff goes for Washington is probably Jalen Polk from Texas Tech University. He's a wide receiver. He had 264 yards and two touchdowns in Lubbock last year. Um, And that's big for the Huskies because their receiving core had a lot of problems creating separation and getting, you know, hooking up for explosive plays last year so we had the huskies actually ranked at 20th a lot of publications didn't even have the huskies in the top 25 but aspn has them land here at 15th at number 14 espn has the iowa hawkeyes and this is actually the first one where we concur it's the uh (laughs) we, we had them ranked the same back in february Now, the Hawkeyes finished the 2020 season by winning six games in a row. The Big Ten West Division title is definitely a possibility for these guys. A good foundation remains up front with their center in Tyler Lindenbaum, um, and that's going to allow for the offense to continue to lean on the running attack with Tyler Goodson. We talked about him. He's a really good, solid running back uh, recruited out of the state of Georgia. Tight end Sam Laporta. Uh, will also contribute, should be a key contributor on the offensive side of the ball. Um, now, the defense is a little concerning with only six starters returning, but they they have one of the best defensive coordinators in the business. Uh, like I said, we also had Iowa at 14. ESPN actually demoted them from the number 12 spot to slide them more in line with kind of where we think they're going to be. They're a very solid team out of the Big Ten. Uh, they're always well coached, a good fundamental football team. Uh, I think low teens maybe flirting with the top 10 spot is about their ceiling. Obviously, the floor for these guys would be probably unranked, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with them moving on. At number 13, ESPN has decided to put the USC Trojans there. Now, I'll say this about the Trojans. They return one of the better rosters in the Pac-12 even maybe even nationally but if they if that offensive line if their trench play has not improved if they can't block it's not gonna matter folks 
Keaton Slovis at quarterback is back for his third year, along with uh, four of his starting offensive linemen. Uh, they also have their two uh, leading rushers and nine uh, players who are, have contributed in the passing game as well are all back. The defense brings back nearly all of its top tacklers from last season. And here's the thing. Pretender, contender. I think they're more of a pretender. Uh, the offensive line, can they hold up? Can they keep the pressure off of Keaton Slovis in this off in this sort of air raid scheme that they that they they started to run? Me says no. That's what I say. Clay Helton hasn't produced a tough physical football team like those that Pete Carroll had, you know, during his era in USC. The early results were not good. Would be a little bit of an understatement for USC's spring game. Um, as far as protection up front, USC quarterbacks were sacked, quote unquote, you know, eight times during the spring game, eight times, six times in the, in the first half. USC's quarterbacks better get a really good mouth guard. That's all I can say, because if they can't protect any, any better than that, um, look out, man. I don't even know if their, their QBs will finish the season. You know, so we have these, uh, I'm going to call them pretenders, at number 15. And for me, that's being generous. Uh, we, we have them there on pure roster potential. But, you know, and I will say this. If they can improve drastically in the trenches, then these guys have a shot at winning the Pac-12, you know, possibly being undefeated in their conference, and having the honor of being embarrassed in the playoff. But they have a long way to go to dethrone Oregon, Washington, and I would say don't forget UCLA and Utah either. So uh, for me, I don't agree. I don't have them at 13. I got them on 15. Uh, we, we had them at 15 on just potential. But what's the famous saying I like to throw it on here? Potential is just a word for shit you haven't done yet. And USC has not proven to me that they are worthy of their top billing. At uh, number 12 on ESPN's list, they have the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Coach Brian Kelly's team has won at least 10 games in five out of the last six years, and despite both sides entering, both sides of the ball, I should say, entering 2021 with question marks, another double-digit win total is within reach. Much of the offseason attention at Notre Dame has been focused um, – on the defensive side of the ball with the new defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman, coming over from Cincinnati. And he built that that dominant defensive unit uh, for the Bearcats. Um, Second-year offensive coordinator Tommy Reese might be more of a factor in whether the Fighting Irish return to the college football playoff for a second straight season. Who knows? And at the quarterback position, even with the departure of Ian Book, it's still in good hands there in South Bend. Jack Cohn, the former Wisconsin quarterback, who completed a school record, by the way, 236 passes for 2,727 yards with 18 touchdowns and just five picks over 14 starts for the Badgers in 2019, should be the signal caller for the Irish. Tailbacks Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree, plus tight end Michael Mayer and receiver Kevin Austin Jr. are all returning pieces of the offense, and with those players playing up to their potential, this offense could be explosive. We, we, you know, it'll, it will remain to be seen. The Irish have to replace four starting offensive linemen, however. That is not going to be easy, but Notre Dame coaches and recruits that position very well. Now, we've had the Irish at uh, back in February. We had them at 10, uh, and here's why. They have two playoff appearances, and although it was an absolute massacre, they have played for a national title in 2012. So to me, they deserve a top 10 spot off of, you know, what they bring to the table. So you can't, you can't deny that it's a good football team, and I think they're a top 10 football team. On ESPN's list here at number 11, they have Indiana. This is some wing and a prayer shit, in my opinion, to have them this high. Okay, ESPN is quoted regarding this lofty ranking, quote, the Hoosiers lofty ranking 
comes with a caveat. It's largely dependent on whether injured quarterback Michael Penix Jr. is fully recovered from torn ACL in his right knee by the September 4th opener at Iowa. He didn't practice in the spring, but Hoosiers coach Tom Allen is optimistic he'll be ready by preseason camp. End quote. Well, I'm glad that Dr. Allen seems to think that his quarterback will be back and he's optimistic. Um, But again, that is a lot to put a number 11 ranking on the possibility that your starting quarterback is going to be back. Now, as far as projected returning starters, they have nine on offense. They have nine on defense, one on special teams. Indiana's defense was one of the big reasons it challenged Ohio State for a Big Ten title last season. The Hoosiers led the league the Big Ten in sacks with 25 and interceptions with 17 and ranked fourth in points allowed with 20.3. Now they do have a new coordinator in uh, Carlton Warren. He comes out of Georgia. He's a a secondary coach at Georgia. So, I mean, they know how to coach themselves some defense down there. So I'm sure, you know, he'll step into his role and do a good job. He inherits also a defense that returns all but one starter. Now, we have Indiana at 17 with a solid chance to trend up. But if Michigan and Penn State get back to form this year and tough non-conference Cincinnati comes to play, this team could easily have four losses by the year's end. We didn't even mention Ohio State. At number 10 on ESPN's list, they have Oregon. The Ducks have recruited exceptionally well under coach Mario Cristobal, and they should begin to reap the benefits of those classes. In 2019, Oregon signed the number one defensive end, Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, Also, he could be a potential first-round draft pick. Um, We also have – he likely will be, actually. So they also – get this. They also signed the number two cornerback, Mikhail Wright, and the number five outside linebacker, Mace Funa. And then the next year, the Ducks signed the number one inside linebacker with Justin Flo, the number two cornerback with Dante Manning, and the number three inside linebacker with Noah Sewell. This year's class included the number two cornerback with Avante Dickerson. So these guys have quality reps. All these, you know, these these young dudes, they all got quality reps last year because several Oregon Ducks ended up opting out of the 2020 season. I think Oregon would have been much better last year without that and a combination of injuries, hamstring in their ear. Their rush defense and open field tackling was atrocious, and that has to be fixed. I like this team, however. Coach Cristobal has done a great job seeing the bigger picture, and that it's not enough just to win the Pac-12. He's building a team that can win against any conference. So it just has to express itself, but they are certainly not lacking for talent. We'll see what hits the field this fall. Ohio State is first in the shoot. Uh, We had the guys up in Eugene at number 12. ESPN actually moved them up from number 13, so uh, they were trending them up. I'm going to say that I'm still confident in their positioning there at 12. On ESPN's list at number nine, they have the Cincinnati Bearcats. They have eight returning starters on offense, seven on defense, one on special teams. Cincinnati's defense returns a solid core of all American Conference guys. Quarterback Desmond Ritter is back, but the offensive line has to be rebuilt after both tackles departed. Um, And uh, so, yeah, I mean, the offensive line is definitely that's not good if you are the Cincinnati Bearcats, given how you play stylistically with the ground and pound attack that they like to employ. They like to play defense and pound on teams. Now, I will say this. Um, Luke Fickle, I think, could be poised to take this unit to the next level, even on the defensive side of the ball that was so good last year. Um, I think some of those guys hadn't quite even hit their potential, and now they're coming back for their senior years, and I think it's really going to express itself. This could be a historically good defense, not only for Cincinnati, but maybe an FBS. Now, this Bearcats team is probably going to look a lot like it did last season. They'll bludgeon teams. You know, that's what they'll do. They'll bludgeon their opponents to death. They're going to pound the rock on you. They're going to play defense. 
I also have these guys as a top 10 team. Reason saying I say that to put a group of five as high as in the top 10 with confidence is I look at the margin of victory. I know that their strength of schedule is not the best compared to several of their power five, you know, contemporary or, you know, power five teams, I should say. But their margins of victory, when you cross-reference it with last year's football power index, which we discussed in the football power index show, it was congruent with top-ranked teams versus those same opponents. Basically, what I'm trying to say here is they were beating teams in their conference the way a top-tier Power 5 team would beat that team. They also gave, they, they gave Georgia all they could handle in Atlanta, and they, in my opinion, they, ha- they practically handed them the game at the end. Uh, just questionable calls. It was their game to lose. Unfortunately for Cincinnati, they lost it. They gave it away, but uh, they did give Georgia all they could handle there. Um, in Atlanta, you know, of all places. So I guess the dogs' uh, choke artistry kind of rubbed off on the Bearcats after three and a half quarters, but uh, I digress. Uh, we, we had these dudes at eight back in February. You know what? I will stay. I'll stay. I also like to live dangerously. At number eight, we have UNC, the Tar Heels. Projected returning starters, eight on offense, 10 on defense, two on special teams. A lot of key losses. Here you go. Here's here's the rundown. Running back Michael Carter, running back Javante Williams, Daz Newsom at wide receiver, Deami Brown at wide receiver, linebacker Chaz Surratt. Those are some big losses, but never fear because versatile transfer out of Tennessee, Ty Chandler, who is a running back, he had 3,291 all-purpose yards in 46 games over four seasons at Tennessee. Um, And I think he will definitely help at the running back position. Um, Also, their running back room is pretty deep. They have Josh Henderson, DJ Jones, Elijah Green, Caleb Hood. All these guys are going to be able to take snaps behind an offensive line that returns all five starters and quarterback Sam Howell is back again. Um, In my opinion, this offense can pick up right where they left off. Defensively, the Tar Heels are looking to be more effective in pass rush. Um, Desmond Evans was a guy who showed some promising signs. Miles Murphy was another one. Kamon Rucker was another kid who could emerge onto the scene this year. We'll see how that presents itself. We have the Tar Heels actually one spot better at seven. I'm going to leave them there. I think they are the biggest threat to the Clemson Tigers in the ACC this year. At number seven, we have Texas A&M. They have six offensive starters returning, nine on defense, two on special teams. Their previous way too early ranking on ESPN was number six, so they do slide back one. We had them at nine. This is largely due to the same reason Oregon is so exciting. Their recruiting over the last few years has been great. Texas A&M is also searching for a new quarterback after Mond, uh, the four-year starter, and the program's all-time leading passer left for the NFL. Sophomore Haynes King seems to have the edge over his competition there in the quarterback room. Uh, He completed 16 of 31 passes for 211 yards with one touchdown and a pick in the spring game. Accuracy definitely needs to improve, obviously. Uh, The more pressing matter, though, for these guys is rebuilding the offensive line, which was definitely their strength in 2020. all-American guard Kenyon Green is the only returning starter, and he's moving out to left tackle. They also pick up yet another Tennessee transfer, Jameer Johnson. Uh, he should be starting at right tackle, but he's not joining the team until later this year. Um, so, in my personal opinion, I don't know if Texas A&M stays in the top ten all the way to the uh, season's conclusion. I do feel like last year's Texas A&M team might have been the Aggies' high water mark for a couple of years until um, until they kind of 
figure some stuff out, at least at the quarterback position. Um, now, Jimbo Fisher does know how to build a team. He knows how to coach them up. He knows how to recruit. But, uh, again, I just I don't see them taking a, a leap or a step forward from where they were at last year. I think they'd be lucky to repeat the same kind of success that they had last year. At number six, we have Iowa State. This is Matt Campbell's team and the program's position for another run at the conference title game in 2021. Quarterback Brock Purdy, running back Brees Hall, and receiver Xavier Hutchinson are back to headline the offense. Tight end Charlie Kohler with 44 catches last year will be one of the best tight ends in college football. Additionally, a line that allowed only 14 sacks is slated to return completely intact. Iowa State's defense is also set to be outstanding, returning basically everybody. Not basically everybody, they are returning everybody. Uh, we had these dudes at six all along, so we agree with ESPN. ESPN moved them up from eight, so sliding them closer to our original assessment. Uh, this is gonna be a very good team with a chance to be a great team, but they have to knock off the big boy in the conference. We all know who that is, Oklahoma. <laughs> and. Uh, to etch their spot in eternity, you know, uh, they're going to have to do that. They're going to have to beat the Sooners. Nobody remembers who almost won the conference title. So uh, can they do it? Challenge has been thrown down. At number five on the list, we have Ohio State. They're returning seven offensive starters, five on defense, zero on special teams. One thing that was clear this spring was their number one running back recruit uh, was Dynamite. Um, he's the number nine, nine prospect in the 2021 class in the ESPN 300. He was as good as advertised. Um, also, defensive end Jack Sawyer, the number one prospect in the freshman class, also splashed during the uh, spring game. Ohio State's defense, which was absolutely obliterated in the uh, national championship game, which was a 52-24 to loss to Alabama, giving up 621 yards. Uh, they have a lot of holes to fill, especially at linebacker and in the secondary, which was already not a huge strength of that team last year. But again, this is another team that just, they seem to reload, and they are a top recruiting power in college football. Ryan Day will put a quality quarterback on the field also whether that is Jack Miller III or C.J. Stroud, and the wide receiver room is loaded. But these guys don't have too long to figure it out. With an equally talented Oregon squad coming to town, they're going to have to figure it out quickly. We had Ohio State at three. I think ESPN's ranking here may be more accurate, so I'm going to go ahead and concur, and I think I would also slide the Buckeyes back to five because of everything that they have to replace on the defensive side of the ball. At number four on the list, they have the Clemson Tigers. Now, post-Trevor Lawrence, Clemson just seems like kind of like mind-boggling to say because I feel like he's been there forever. But they, they have one of the most electric season openers uh, at least from my perspective, and if you're a Clemson fan, probably yours as well. Very exciting. Against Georgia in Charlotte, in North Carolina, in neutral side action. This is a classic rivalry, by the way, that's kind of getting a revamp here. I'm extremely excited for this game. Pumped. Can't wait to see it. Sophomore quarterback DJ Uyunglele is expected to be... I'm not even going to say under center anymore. Nobody even goes under center. It's, I know that's a catchphrase for where the quarterback's going to be. It, no one goes under center, center anymore, so he, he's going to be the quarterback. Uh, he threw for 914 yards with five touchdowns and zero interceptions last year. Now, as far as projected returning starters, they have five on offense, nine on defense, and one on special teams. Here's the key losses. Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Amari Rodgers, Darion Kendrick, their best cornerback, offensive tackle Jackson Carmen, their best offensive lineman, and their center, Cade Stewart. This is troubling for this next set of reasons I'm going to give you. O-line, QB depth, and defensive speed is the concern for the Tigers coming into 2021. 
they lose their best coverage man. They lose two of their offensive linemen, which the offensive line was already a concern. And I think ESPN seems to agree as well because Clemson falls from their number one spot in ESPN's way too early to number four on their list. I personally had them at five. I stand by what I said. This has not been a national championship team since 2018. Their early face-off with UGA in Charlotte is a huge matchup. I think Clemson's season may hinge on that game alone for playoff representation. We, you know, it very well could be make a break, or you know, first game of the season. So let's let's see how that that plays out. Speaking of UGA, at number three on ESPN's list, they got the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia has not won a national championship in 41 years and still counting. And um, I think this year is a pivotal year for for the Georgia Bulldogs in terms of what they have on the roster and their ability to potentially win one. Um, it's going to come down to whether or not they can patch together a secondary uh, as well as is the Georgia offense as good as it is you know, being, you know, being previewed as, right? Um, now, they, they have picked up a big uh, transfer into Key Smith to help with that secondary uh, issue. During the spring game, the offense looked great. They, they looked very, very good, very sharp, very crisp. Quarterback JT Daniels, uh, I think he's poised for a big season. He completed 67% of his passes for 1,231 yards last year with 10 touchdowns versus two picks in just four games of the 2020 season. Unfortunately, the dogs did get hit with some bad news with wide receiver George Pickens, who's going to be out probably for the season. I mean, let's just be honest, probably moving on to the NFL, tore his ACL in his right knee during spring practice. Now, he's already underwent surgery, but his return is still very questionable. However, Georgia has plenty of playmakers at wide receiver, even without George Pickens. Uh, Dominic Blaylock returns after missing all of 2020 with an injury himself. Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint, who broke his leg in the Florida game last year, unfortunately, but extremely talented and should be healthy coming into this year. They also have a playmaker at tight end with Darnell Washington. And Adonai Mitchell was a huge playmaker in the spring game at wide receiver as well. I think the big overreaction is that Georgia's offense is going to be as potent as the 2019 LSU offense or the 2020 Bama offense. The Dogs fan in me hopes so, but that's going to be a stretch. However, I do believe that this Dogs offense will, will be the best one that Kirby Smart has had, and the defense will still be very solid. Uh, now, we had them at two in February, and I'm going to keep them there. At number two on ESPN's list, they've got Alabama. They have four offensive starters returning. Four. Okay, so that's a huge ton of production to, to return on, or, or to fill on offense, right? A lot of holes to fill there. They do return nine on defense and one on special teams. Until somebody knocks these guys off the mountain. I mean, you know, for me, there's, there's, they're still, they're still sitting there at number one, you know, um, and they're still my favorite to win the SEC until somebody stops them. You know, as much as I would like to say that the dogs are going to do it, you know, Georgia might appear to be more talented on paper. Oklahoma might look like they've got the, the offense of all offense and they've figured out how to play some defense now too. Ohio State Clemson, they've got, you know, arguably easier paths to get to a national championship. But Bama always finds a way to somehow be right in it year after year. Quarterback Bryce Young looked comfortable in the spring game. He completed 25 of 44 for 333 and one touchdown with zero interceptions. A lot of people coming out of that game have cited that Bryce Young's ball security is a concern after nearly throwing a pick and fumbling on a sack. However, in my humble opinion, I'm looking at that offensive line as the main concern. I watched that spring game, at least the majority of it, 
And on both of those plays that Bryce Young, you know, had the almost had the turnover or turn the ball over, he had pressure all over him. And that is going to be Bama's biggest and most glaring problem to me at this point. Otherwise, they are deep, they're talented, they're big, they're fast, and they return a ton on defense. I had them at one. They will remain so in my book until they are defeated outright by someone else. And finally, at number one on ESPN's list, we have the Oklahoma Sooners. With seven offensive starters returning, seven on defense, two on special teams, and a host of returning production at the second and third levels coming back as well. Their previous way too early ranking was number three. They're trending up after a fantastic spring, and they're going to be a bookie's wet dream as far as those early bets are concerned. Lincoln Riley is trying to guide his team to a victory in the college football playoff game after losing three in a row. Oklahoma has had more, I mean, they have, they have enough playmakers on offense. Um, the defense could be just as good as, uh, as the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Alex Grinch has shown progression in every single year that he's been the coordinator there. This is undoubtedly the most complete Oklahoma Sooners team that I think I've seen under Lincoln Riley and it's been an extremely uh, popular transfer destination we already talked about the trio from Tennessee three big recruits from Tennessee Eric Gray Wanya Morris and Key Lawrence jumping ship from the volunteers they also added former Arkansas wide receiver Mike Woods who will definitely help with the loss of Rampo um and then, oh yeah, we haven't even talked about Spencer Rattler. I mean, he's pretty good too. So the Sooners are primed for another college football playoff run. The question is, can they finish it? I had these guys at four. I got to put some respect on their name. After that, they, they move up to, I will move them up to three in my book. So I will... I will do that. They, they have, they have at least earned that. And so, folks, that uh, that takes us through this episode of the podcast. I hope that you have enjoyed it and enjoyed your time with yours truly. And uh, hey, if you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and give us that oh so important review. Or at least tell a few friends about the podcast. They can catch us on Apple Pods, Spotify, Google Pods, Breaker, Anchor, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and all the casts. If you have any comments, suggestions, gripes, complaints, or otherwise, please shoot us an email at anygivenyou at gmail.com or feel free to post it right in your review. We would love to get some fan-based material to discuss on future shows. Also, if you would like to score some Any Given You swag, get over to squadlocker.com and search the Any Given You store. We have a great selection of affordable apparel for dudes, chicks, kids, and everyone. And the best part is 10% of every purchase will be donated to charitable causes. I do not take one cent for myself. Again, that is squadlocker.com. Search the Any Given You store. And remember, any given time, any given place, any given topic, get it at Any Given You.